I have had this weird idea, and it's pointless, but that's actually the kind of thing I enjoy. If you've listened to the podcast for the last hundred episodes, you've probably gotten that feeling already. But it's the idea to me that everyone in the world is the best in the world at something. But for most people, that something is so minuscule that no one will ever notice. And it's the idea that you're not the best in the world at a video game or even a level in a video game. My example actually was a driving game, that you are the best in the world at turning one corner in one video game in one specific car. So if you use a different car, you're no longer the best in the world anymore. If you use a different track, you're no longer the best in the world anymore. But you have this one skill, this one tiny, tiny skill, and you are the best in the world, but you'll actually never know it because you're just normal for the rest of the track or with all the other cars. So there is no significant or noticeable difference between you and everyone else, but you'll never actually know that you're the best in the world at this thing. Because there is someone who is the best in the world at everything that is done. There is the guy who is the best in the world at clicking his mechanical pencil. You could do fastest, you could do most stylish, but there is one person who does it better than everyone else. There is the person in the world who is better at frothing a cappuccino than everyone else in the world. Now, I think the quality of the froth is something that people won't really notice. They'll know good versus bad, but they're not going to know best in the world and really good. Like our internet phenomenon, Salt Bay, the guy in the world who's best at throwing salt. And I don't mean stylishly like him, because I think he's actually claimed that crown, but someone who could pick up one grain of salt and throw it perfectly every time. Now, how often does that happen? Almost never. So you're never really going to know that you're the best person in the world at throwing salt. And the idea struck me when we got to the Guinness Book of World Records, when you started finding all these records that were really specific And I realized there must be something really specific that I'm probably the best in the world at, but I would never take the time to find out. I might be the best in the world at opening child-proof containers. I might be the best in the world at inserting USB devices into USB ports without having to flip them over three times. My superpower is that I actually look at the USB and then put it in on the first try every single time. There is a person who is best in the world at popping medicine out of a blister pack. Often I will look at my coworkers in our office and I'll see them do something. And if I notice them do it well, I stop and wonder, are they the best in the world at that thing I've just seen? I mean, probably not, but it is an interesting idea. It's something to keep in mind when you see something who's good at it. You should appreciate the artistry that comes with these minuscule tasks. One of the things you notice when editing your own voice in a podcast where you're the only one speaking is your own voice habits or quirks and like most things where you notice habits or patterns you can make it into a drinking game so i would like to present to you the Velosa podcast drinking game or the vdg of course you're going to need a drink i think it would be better if it was sort of a light alcohol and you do shots because i do a lot of these things so often that if you drink sort of harder liquor it might actually kill you despite the fact that this podcasts are quite short But some of the things I've noticed, when you hear the words essentially, now, or so, you should take a drink. I actually try to edit those words out now because I say them so regularly. Those are clearly my versions of um and uh, placeholders for when I'm actually thinking. My editing skills are not amazing, and often because of the way I record it, there are noticeable cuts. So when you hear an obvious cut or edit in the podcast, you should take a drink. 
when I mispronounce a word, which actually happens quite often, you absolutely should take a drink. I suffer from ongoing allergies all the time. I think I've actually mentioned before, I'm allergic to dust and I'm allergic to grass, which means I'm basically allergic to the inside of a building and the outside of a building. So I sniff a lot. So again, I try to edit those out, but there's always some that sneak in or you can tell it's kind of a sniff. If you hear a sniff, I, even a partial one, because it might be partly edited, you should take a drink. If I say, it seems to me, which is usually me stating that I'm about to give you my opinion, you should take a drink. And the one I find now most annoying about myself, usually when I take a pause before I speak the next phrase, you will hear a tiny, tiny lip smack. Again, I now can see that in the graphic version of my voice in like the waveform. So I can actually see what that looks like. I've seen it so many times. But if you hear that, that little, you absolutely should probably take about four or five drinks. That should be the one that kills people because I'm trying not to do it. I find it annoying myself, but it's of course one of those behaviors that you can't hear. So please enjoy yourself. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the hundredth episode. Feel free to drink along, but only drive drunk if it's in a video game. To celebrate the 100th episode, I've decided to double up on the Quora question. The first one that I found, it's comic book related, so it actually really fits with a lot of the themes I've hit over the course of the podcast. And the question is, who are the most skilled fighters across both Marvel and DC universes? I don't think that question needs to be reinterpreted because it's a fictional question. It's a question about a fictional universe. So it can be taken 100% at face value, which I really appreciate because I actually do believe that most people who visit Quora are not asking honest questions. They're trying to use techniques to ask a different question and get the answer they want. This seemed like a sincere question. Of course, I'm not going to give the person the answer they want. I'm going to kind of ruin it. And my answer is... It's fictional, so the person who is going to be the most skilled fighter is whoever they need to be the most skilled fighter in that moment. They qualified the question. They said, take away superpowers and actual fighting skills. So Superman, maybe because he's so strong, he doesn't actually fight very well. He just hits things really hard once, and he doesn't hurt his hands. So he never actually has to use any technique. That was an interesting concept I hadn't thought about. Uh, but you're talking like Batman, who had to train to be a good fighter. You're talking about Daredevil. You're talking about all these kind of characters who had to hone their skills. So across that, who is the best fighter? Now, what I actually think would happen is if you put them in some sort of test situation, the more interesting writer would make the seemingly weakest character the best fighter in that situation because that would be a surprise to the audience and the reader it would be a more interesting thing than just having batman beat everybody because that is actually boring storytelling so if you're going to take the answer very seriously you actually have to take it back to the writer's room and the writers are not going to give you the answer you want they're going to try to surprise you with what they come up with now, what I've noticed, whenever they have comic characters fight, they almost always end in a tie. And that, to me, is something they should do away with. If you're going to have two heroes fight, one should lose. I'm a big fan of Judge Dredd. They had a comic where Judge Dredd fought Batman. And honestly, in the situation where they were, when they were in Gotham, I think Judge Dredd should have lost because this is Batman City. He has all his technology, he has all his things. It's his home ground advantage. I think in that situation he would win. But if you took it to Mega City, where it's Judge Dredd's home world, 
and he has the home team advantage. He has all his technology and all his stuff, and Batman's on his own and discombobulated because the world is so different. I actually think in that case, Judge Dredd should win. Because they juxtapose them as very interesting characters. You have Batman, who is a vigilante, so essentially a criminal, who does things for justice and refuses to kill. And then you have Judge Dredd, who is a policeman and abides by only the rule of law, but the rule of law in his world at his time gives him full rights to kill anyone almost any time. They are the literal opposite of each other. So it was really interesting to see the philosophies sort of being played out in front of you. Although, of course, because it's a comic book, they didn't get deep enough into it. But I was really interested in the idea of how much they actually should hate each other, but still respect each other because they both lived by their code. Because that is the single thing they had in common. But they never got down to who was the actual better fighter. Batman has all his preparation, all his gadgets, all the things he's done in his life. Uh, most of his advantages come from researching his enemy, which he couldn't do because Judge Dredd actually comes from an alternate universe or the future at least. So he wouldn't actually have the ability to research him. Judge Dredd is an enhanced human being. So physically he should be superior. He actually has more real world experience because in his world they don't actually sleep. They go into a chamber and I think they sleep for about 10 minutes a day and that's more than enough rest. So if you're going to compare who is the best fighter overall and you go through the historical versions of the comic books but then you actually try to stick them in a situation where you would actually find out, the writers would try to find a different tack to take to make it an interesting competition. So I think you take one of the physical fighters who seems weaker overall but is an interesting character, and that would be a good opportunity to build them up. So it's not the answer they wanted, but that is actually how I think you would find out who the writers or the creators of these kind of things would choose, because a relatively minor character would be more interesting on a physical plane, because maybe the re he's the best fighter in the world, but he doesn't have superpowers, so it doesn't take him to a higher level like some of the other guys. A much shorter answer for the next one, because it wasn't about comic books, is why does English sound so natural but other languages almost sound like gibberish. Does this happen to foreign language speakers? Well, absolutely it does. Your native language sounds native to you. That's almost by definition. But I think the problem here is that this person doesn't really seem to understand that other people are real. Because now I speak four languages in the most shallow of terms. So I grew up in Canada, so I had about 12 years of French education, and I was honestly horrendous at it. I make very nice French sounds, and I can do a very nice French accent if I read words, but quite often, I have no idea what I'm saying. So French doesn't sound that foreign to me. It doesn't sound that alien to me. I lived in Korea for a short while, and I learned Korean. Again, not very good at it, and actually by now, since I haven't been using it, I've probably forgotten everything I know. Actually, I know about 10 words, but most of them are swears, and the other ones are just give me stuff. To me, now that I can speak that language to a degree, that language doesn't sound strange, it doesn't sound alien, it doesn't sound like gibberish. In fact, when I get on an elevator and two people speak Korean, I can't understand what they're saying, but I can definitely tell they're speaking Korean. So to me, it is now a thing I understand and recognize. Living in Japan for as long as I have, I speak basic Japanese. I have no right to brag. I'm pretty good at daily conversation, but honestly, that's about it. I never get into deep conversations with Japanese people because I'm just not capable. But there is no way the Japanese sounds strange or alien or like gibberish to me. I think really what this person needs to do is take a language class or go live in another country. Because I found that living in another country, not speaking the language, you start to just pick up feelings of what other people are saying. 
So you're not listening to the words, but you're understanding the atmosphere. You start to understand that people who don't speak the same language as you are people. And this is something I think that happens to old people. My mother certainly does this. When someone doesn't understand what she says, she falls into the very cliche pattern of not speaking slower and more clearly, but speaking louder. And the people aren't deaf, and they're not generally offended by it because they understand what you're trying to do. But it is a bit patronizing when you talk to people like that because you are talking to them like they're stupid, and that tone comes through. So for this person... I actually think the answer is not to answer his question at all because it's self-evident. He actually kind of seems to understand that by the question, the way he's phrased it, because does this happen to foreign language speakers? Absolutely, it does at times. But the way to eliminate this idea or concept from your mind would be to go out and actually learn some foreign language. Even if you just learn words, go watch some Dora the Explorer, learn the word of Unimates, maybe one of the only Spanish words I know that isn't sort of one of the ones you'd pick up from Sesame Street. But that will give you a sense of the reality of another person's existence. And that is something that would be absolutely worthwhile. This might be the most positive version of the Quora questions I've done yet. Don't get used to it. I'm sure next time I'm just going to be crapping on someone who's anti-Canadian. I've been asked a couple of times about the podcast, why I started it, what I get out of it. I've been writing for the internet and of course for the first decade for free and then I finally started getting some jobs that I got paid for but I've been producing content for the internet since about 1995. I had one of the first online video series it was actually like like my version of a, a show of course that I did it completely by myself very few people could watch it primarily because most people had 56k modems so it was very hard to just watch video online and you had to have very specific software to watch it so back then there was a company called real player you can still get their stuff but it was bought by other companies or something and it became just a travesty of what it was originally intended to do it was the first version of what youtube would come to be it was a player that streamed content from the internet and the first show that i watched weekly was called Computer Stew, and they taught you how to do the things that they did. It was an office show. It was about five minutes long. It was a guy in his office, and he just did this show. Uh, they drank Epicac on air. They did some little skits. At the time, though, it was revolutionary because it was on the internet. They could produce it and make it and put it out whenever they wanted. They didn't need a big company backing them. But they had an episode where they taught you how to get the real player, record into it, format the file, put it on the internet, and other people could watch your show. So I don't know if anyone watched those shows. And quite frankly, they were horrible because I had no idea what I was doing. Just like a lot of these podcasts, probably my first early ones, are pretty weak. But it's one of those things that you get better with time. I always fancied myself a writer. So I always wanted to do writing. So the internet was a great opportunity for that. I wrote for my own blogs. I wrote for about stuff I liked. And I used that as a portfolio over time and built up my own website so that when I applied for other jobs at other websites or other publications, I could say, this is my portfolio. You can see the kind of things I'm, I do, what I'm good at, and basically prove how productive I could actually be. What I found in the last couple of years is that people weren't reading these really long essays I wrote. They enjoyed them if they read them, but that actually was becoming rarer and rarer. People were telling me, I saw that thing you posted, and the most common response I got after that was, I didn't read the whole thing. Most people would see that as a travesty. Oh my God, people don't read anymore. But really, I'm just seeing that as the evolution of the internet. People are looking for different ways to absorb their media. So there was really a couple of options. One was start a YouTube video series, try to become a YouTube star. But I knew fundamentally that I was too old to stick my face on YouTube and be popular or garner any sort of audience in any real way. 
And I really just wanted to do these essays. So it made sense if I just started reading those essays. So I made it a very loose format. I was just going to talk about whatever I would normally talk about. Uh, and then the themes started developing on their own. So one of the questions I got asked is why are the podcasts so short? And I initially figured that I wouldn't be interesting enough to fill a lot of time. That is a very sensible assumption to make if you're starting on a new project. So I set a personal time target of five minutes, no more than 10, because I figured no one would be interested in what I had to say if I talked for more than 10 minutes. If you have two people talking, you have two point of views, you have time to explore ideas and talk about stuff. Later on, you'll hear me talk to my friend Tommy. You will, we talk for 20, 30 minutes quite naturally, no problem at all, because we talk about something, I'll say something, he says something, we explore that idea, change topic, rinse and repeat. That's how people talk in real life. But when you're talking to yourself in a microphone, it's surprisingly awkward. It's really unnatural. So it's important to set some limitations on yourself so you can build up from that. So the length of the podcast has grown, but it's grown very organically. I've started adding in more regular bits. The Quora questions only came in about a month ago, but I've been really happy with that as a segment. That segment might grow over time. I might find some other segment that I do, maybe talk about movies or video games or something else, and I can throw that in. And as I get more segments that build naturally, I'm not forcing myself to put content in that doesn't belong there. And so that was always my kind of feeling, is trying to make it organic and grow naturally, as opposed to forcing it into a 30 minute format that I didn't actually know how to fill. Some people have asked, why is it just me? I've had some friends come on. I've talked to Nigel and Guy and Tommy and Matt. You've probably heard them if you've listened to it regularly. And the reason it is just me is primarily my schedule and the fact that I live far away from everyone. So I can't have people come over to my house. Any podcast that I've done with other people, I've had to do over the internet, generally through Google Hangouts. But the last ones I did with Tommy and Matt actually was done through the PlayStation Network where we were capturing our voice in a game party. So the convenience that offers was really nice. And that's why I think I'll be able to do more, certainly over the PlayStation, because we can just do conversations naturally amongst each other. I can capture it, edit it down so that it's a more interesting conversation to listen to. But if I want to maintain a regular schedule, it has to be my schedule. And because I do so much random stuff, it's actually very hard to match my schedule up to other people. Even if we have the same day off, I might be busy with my kids. I might have something to do. So I, it's really hard for me sometimes to set a time to sit down and talk to someone else. Uh, the other question people have asked about the podcast specifically is how long does it take to make and edit it? So originally what I would do is write out most of the notes and record the podcast two or three times and edit those notes together into one, what I thought was a pretty good podcast. So basically taking the best sentences from each one and linking those up. That was very time inefficient. So a five minute podcast could take 20 minutes to edit. To try to make it more efficient, now I record and then if I make a mistake, I'll just pause and start that sentence again. So I just have to edit out what I consider the bad bits. But I don't do multiple takes, which I think sort of reduces the quality overall, but it makes the whole system more efficient, which means I can actually put in more content. So you can see it's kind of trying to balance uh, a couple different scales there. So now I record generally for about 20 minutes and I try to edit it down to between 10 and 15. So I'll cut out a lot of content because either it's extraneous, it's not related enough, or it's not tight. One of my goals primarily is to try to keep the podcast tight. Because I'm speaking by myself, it has to maintain interest the whole way through. So I always feel like over-editing and making it shorter is better than under-editing and having a whole bunch of content that you don't care about. I will actually, when I record with friends, cut out our laughing sometimes because 
that is interesting for a second or two because you get that we're finding each other enjoyable. But listening to people laugh for extended periods, that diminishes the interest of the actual content, in my opinion. Uh, I've had a couple other random questions that aren't related to the podcast, but people that I know who've come up and asked me, people have sent me some emails on the internet, and I've actually gotten a bit of activity on Twitter, which is really nice. One of the questions was, what have been the worst jobs you've ever had? Now, there are actually two in my life. I've had a lot of summer jobs, like most Western people who grew up and had to partially pay for their own education. One, I did a boat tour in Victoria, Canada. So basically you have this little boat and you take it around the inner harbor and you say this building's here and that building's there and a lot of times you actually tell them some crap about the history of the building or some story that someone else has told you that you've not confirmed at all. So it's basically just something that sounds vaguely interesting. There's no way they're going to be able to call you out or, or prove any of this. These were solar powered boats. So they were incredibly slow, incredibly weak. Uh, if there was a strong wind, it would start going sideways. And the job itself wasn't that bad. The owner of the company, on the other hand, was an alcoholic, and he was basically losing grip on himself as the summer progressed. So by the end of the summer, I actually quit the job because basically it looked like we weren't going to get paid for the last month. And since it's a summer job, you're only working for two to three months total. So if you lose a month's salary, you're actually going to lose one third of the money you need to pay for school because this is why I was working in this case. So I had to sue the man for my salary. Of course, being an alcoholic and not very responsible, he didn't even show up to court. So you basically automatically win that case if you sue someone and they, they don't even bother to show up. The judge decided that since the man didn't show up, he would put a lien on his boat, not one of the crap solar boats, his proper boat. I believe it's a speedboat or it's not a sailboat. That's all I really know. That means since he hasn't paid up, in a certain amount of time, this was decades ago when this actually happened, that I own a boat. The problem is, the guy skipped town and he left, and I'm betting he actually skipped town on his boat. I have no idea where that boat is. So I am technically a boat owner, but I don't know the location of my boat. So that is a weird situation to be in, because I actually have the joy of telling people I'm a boat owner, but I also don't have the frustrations that come with owning a boat. So it's kind of a win-win situation, really, because I don't really want to own a boat. The other terrible job I had, and it's a job a lot I think young people end up going to, is a student house painter. The reason it was so bad, I actually like painting houses, but because we were under severe time constraints, we were actually basically pushed to cheat and cut corners whenever possible, basically ripping off the homeowner. But then there was also no safety considerations. So I actually fell off the first story of a building once and landed on my back. Luckily, I was fine. But I mean, that's actually, if you think about it, something that should never happen to someone who knowingly will be climbing up and around a house. All that stuff actually wasn't that bad. The terrible part was being a pale ginger dude and working in the summertime outside on a house because there is no cover for you and you are going to get a sunburn. And if anyone can tell you about a sunburn, it's a ginger kid because no matter how hard they try, sooner or later, they're going to get that one sunburn that puts them down for days and days on time. The worst sunburn I ever had, I think I was nine years old, we'd gone to some lake and I had to stay basically inside in a bed and not move for like two, three days. It hurt to move my arms. My skin was that burnt. And that is the fragility of the white race and why we should basically get rid of them. There's a stance for you. Holy shit. So this is Dick Talk with Tommy and Peter. I, I've made a little theme song for it, which I have pre-recorded, so I'll play that now. 
It's Dick Talk with Tommy and Peter. Dick Dick Talk with Tommy and Peter. Tommy and Peter talking about their dicks with their dicks out. Hey Tommy, you got your dick out today? If you haven't figured out already, Dick Talk is a conversation between myself and my friend Tommy about our experiences with our peni, which is the plural for penis. But that being said, the content therein is, if I was going to label it anything, it would be quite raw and honest. I just want to put a warning out there. Generally, I don't get too deep into topics that might offend people. But if you do not want to hear two guys talking about their experiences with their penises, you do not want to listen to the rest of this podcast. But if you do, you will probably never hear a singularly more honest conversation about the male experience going forward. It cuts in actually a minute or two after we started, but welcome to Dick Talk with Tommy and Peter. Yeah, so the story, uh, what was it? So I, um, I had this, this this collection of photos, okay? And then, you know, they're like this, this, this white chick. Yeah, I, I worked at it and it didn't work the first time. <laughs> yeah, I worked at it because I was, I was like, like how, how, does, how, does, how does one masturbate? Like, when no one, yep. no, when, when no one around you is to explaining it to you or like even giving you proper hints, um, like I heard "play with yourself" for many years. I'm like, what does "play with yourself" even mean? Like, I play alone quite often, so take take a tall truck and yeah, no, really, like seriously, like I, so I I think I was the kid that was like, if you said something weird to me that I didn't understand and I knew it was kind of embarrassing, I would I would actually whip up my dictionary when I got home and try to look it up. Okay. Well, fair enough. So, like, play with yourself. Um, okay. So you were trying, you were trying, and you were not finding yeah. the, the white naked women attractive. It, well, well, it's not that. It's just like I didn't know how to like to, you know to, to activate all the switches. So, like, first okay. I tried like Vaseline, like straight up Vaseline. That sounds bad. Yeah. For those not in the know, that don't work. Okay. That don't work. But what doesn't work for me? Okay. Then uh, I tried shampoo. Shampoo sounds bad too. Yeah, it's worse. Okay, then I tried <laughs> hand soap, which is worse than shampoo, but yeah, the but the a mixture of shampoo of, of hand soap and Vaseline, I think like the emulsification of the the oil yep. in the the Vaseline and the it, yep. it it works, and that was the okay. first time to completion, but, and this is just an extra detail. You you may cut out later. I don't know. We will see. So we'll find out. Um, cleanup is something that's not explained to you. Oh, also, yes. when you when you live with your parents and you're like in the eighth grade, like if you if you take a weird shower, everyone asks why you're taking a weird shower so you don't take a weird shower. Okay. Yep. And so you just you just walk around with like uh, hand soap and Vaseline residue on your dick, and that kind of fucks up the the top layer of skin on your dick, and so and you get pain. So I, my first one that was sort of, I was still actually not 100% conscious of what I was doing. I think I was, there was, we had a, a chair and the chair came with this like thing you put your, a footstool, but the footstool was really big and cushioned All right. and it had four cushions built into it, okay. which I mean there were ridges in between and I would lie on that on my stomach while watching TV Yeah. and I was watching, I think it was the, the gem and the holograms again. And I started basically humping that. And that was my first one to completion. And I had, again, cleanup became a panic situation. Right? 
because I did not. Uh, I was just I don't remember what I was wearing but it didn't get on the cushion the first thing I was worried about is it on the cushions and it wasn't and that was like because I could take my underwear into the bathroom and just rinse them and oh, it might not that. show up my, my, mom, my mom might not know what I did oh you were you were you were, you were underwear you know I saw a big mouth recently and the boy in that rinse tried to rinse his underwear and pants too yep that's cute so is it <laughs> I think so. That's, 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 that's adorable to me. Well, that leads me to the second story that I have that also will become your next question. Um, and it was the first time I had a, a dick injury. And it was, uh... <laughs> you don't laugh? All right, so I think I was about 14, maybe 15 or 16. And I was at like my friend's house. It was one of these basement parties. And I had a uh-huh. girlfriend. This was like my first girlfriend for a couple months. And uh-huh. she... We had come, we we had a blanket and we were like snuggling and stuff. So clearly, there's going to be some touchy feely going on. There's got to be. So she goes for the peen. Oh dear. And really dry. And apparently, she's learned that you jackhammer that thing as hard and as fast as you can. Oh. So oh. what happens is this is really painful and uncomfortable for me. But it's the first time a girl's actually wanted to touch my penis, so I'm not going to say no. Or I'm not going to give her instructions, certainly. So I'm just, I'm not enjoying it. I'm enduring it. And uh, <laughs> Wait, wait she... did you stay hard? Oh, man. You want... I, I was, I was hard. Because, again, this is exciting. Someone's touching my penis. Okay, someone's there using is... your penis that gets you hard. Okay. And she's just, <laughs> she's just, she's just beating it up. She's just ruining it. <laughs> uh, and then it... Uh, I'm uncircumcised, so there's like some stretchy bits. Oh, that's she dangerous. She pulls on that so hard that it splits. So, okay, no, 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 no. Now we get to the funny part. It, so I'm bleeding, but she thinks I've ejaculated. So she is, her hands covered in, in blood. She goes to the washroom to wash off her hands, but then realizes I, her hand is covered in blood. It looks like a, a baby murder. And then I realize I've just bled into my pants. Oh, God, Jesus. And I have to go home and try to wash myself or figure something out. So, again, because I don't want my mom to find out that someone's been touching me. And this put a, this put a weird strain on our relationship because we never mentioned it. But it was clear that something yeah, what, 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 what can you What can you say to, uh, I ripped your dick. And you bled on me, so so. And it bleeds a lot because it's just jack full of blood. Yeah, it's so pride all correction. over my crotch. Oh, all over Jesus. my crotch is covered in blood. Oh my god! And I, I I went home and I did the same thing. I like rinsed out my pants. I tried to wash my pants and I got in trouble because I didn't use the washing machine properly. Oh god! <laughs> were the well, so, okay, when you got in trouble, were the pants at least were the was the blood at least washed away? Most of the evidence was gone. You would have to inspect it really carefully to, okay. to know what had happened. So, she, so my mom was like, something has happened because you don't wash your pants by yourself. But, you don't do that. But she couldn't really figure out what. You know what? So, I, I, I'm going to say your mom probably didn't think that you got abused. Uh, but yes. she probably didn't imagine that there was something with uh, boy, part, boy parts happening. Yes. And just yes, let I'm... you have that moment. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I, I I I never brought it up. Yeah. So what was your first penile injury? Well, I mean, like that's well, just just the whole like um, rip like like destroying this the top layer of skin on my dick thing. That was it. Like, oh okay. Like 
you've kind of already told that story then. Yeah. So like, huh. have you have have you ever, have you ever like seen the, like a uh, soap burn? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, what you mean. like like when it starts healing, it's like this like shiny layer of fresh flesh <laughs> that that he like it heals under, then like it flakes off for like a week and a half or so. Dick Dandruff coming down, and I'm oh, I'm, 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 Dick I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, is a terrible expression. But it it's true though, and, I, and I'm I'm a, I'm a fairly dark skinned black guy. I'm black by the way, um, and and so like you like you have this this, this 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 like this like this black. This black snow just like coming down from your dick. Um, so have and... you ever had? My huh? version is actually I was injured by someone else. Have you ever had someone injure you during I a, a session? I have not. I have been okay. quite lucky. Well, that wasn't a, that wasn't a dick injury. That was like a butt injury. But yeah, I've been fairly safe. Okay. Um, yeah. The first sexually satisfying experience you had. Because I, I had sex for the first time. I was 16 or... I think I was 17. Um, and it was like a flash, like 30 seconds. <laughs> and I was... I did, it was really terrible. So no way that was satisfying, but I was kind of happy I did it, but not... Uh -huh. I didn't have an enjoyable experience. So it would have yeah. been months and months later before I had a really good first sexual experience. By the light of the VCR, that's the bit I remember. We had a VCR with a blue light. And so my girlfriend at the time was all kind of bathed in blue light. And she, it was really funny. How, this is how dumb I was. She tells me she's on the pill so that we can do it. And I go, that's great. And I didn't do anything. <laughs> and she basically had to take off her pants and say, like, do it. It. What do you mean, ma'am? What do you mean, it? I'm not kidding. It was not too far away from that. I was like, she was like, I'm on the pill. I was like, oh, that's really nice. It's good. I should know that. And then we just sat there for a little while. She's like, oh, I, he's too dumb. Oh, this one's stupid. Okay. And then, and then we did it, and it was like literally, it had to be a minute. Uh, tops. Uh, and I, th I think she, she saw this coming. Well, hey, so she was she your was first. Yeah, yeah, she, was, she, she guided me into manhood. Uh, what was your first satisfying experience? Or awkward. I mean, you could do awkward. Mine was awkward. You could do awkward, too. Well, I, okay, well, I'll do awkward, okay? Because awkward, <laughs> awkward is more fun. Um, so, uh, my church, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I was raised very churchy. Yeah. And, but, like, church, and my granddad started church, but by the time this awkward experience happened, my family, we were not members of that church because my aunt's a bitch. Um, that's another story. <laughs> Um, but so this church we've been to um, every year they go to the um, they still do this now they go to the national national baptist sunday school sunday school and vacation bible school convention it's that sounds like a party it's like hundreds if not thousands of black baptist churches Descend on a city and like take over like eighteen different hotels, like in like a fucking convention center and like all kinds of things. Like it's gigantic and very fun. Um, the year of my awkward experience, we were in Okaloosa, Oklahoma. You know, um, and this, this all sounds so awesomely boring. I know, right? <laughs> And so, like, what happened was, like, like uh, this dude from my church, we were, like, we were, like, actually it was four of us in one room. No, three of us, three of us, three of us. 
Um, there was my there was there was like my best friend at the time. Uh, and then this guy from the choir I was in, the church choir, and me. So my friend at the time, he had a bed to himself, and then, like, that fucking bastard got his girlfriend to come in, and, like, they were sleeping in the same bed together. Freaks. Um, but then the church, the, the choir guy and I were in a different bed, and, um, as everyone was asleep, me and him were, like, just having, like, a, a nice little conversation about, like, different things we enjoyed doing sexually. Uh, and we got on to, well, you wait, know, wait. Like, did you, did you do anything sexually at that hold point? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold okay, on. Okay, So, so, like, so, like, we start talking, and this is like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I've, I've you know, talked about, I, I've, I find this interesting. Oh, I find, you know, the idea of sucking dick interesting, too. I find this interesting. Oh, I find, uh, you know, like, like, like the guy from Baywatch attractive, too. Oh, I think we might both be in shitting guys. Yeah, me, too. So, you wanna try it out? And I'm like, sure, why not? And so we end up fucking... <laughs> Like full uh, on, yeah. We we yeah, dude. We we like got it in with my best friend at the time and his girlfriend sleeping on the bed next to us. Okay. Oh, do you think they woke up? They did not wake up. They did not wake up. Um, because so there's two dudes having full on two dudes boning in the bed next to theirs. All right. How okay? So how enthusiastically? Um, because you, are you I mean, trying to be quiet? Though, we're right? trying to be quiet. Yeah, like we're trying to be quiet. Um, so like you know, being quiet. Okay, and <laughs> like it goes to completion. Um, and like in, in this situation, I I received this time. It's my first time, so I received. Nice. Um, no, not nice. Oh, not sorry. nice. Okay, because what what what's because, the appropriate reaction then? Um, well, it could be nice, but you know. I'm like 16 at the time, all right? Okay, so, so say um, it again. I'll try again. To completion. To completion, all right? Oh. And um, so he completes, and I'm like, that was interesting. I kind of enjoyed that. I wouldn't mind doing that again. This motherfucker rolls over and gets a fucking Little Debbie snack cake. I think it, I think it was a zebra cake. and starts eating it, and I'm just sitting there like, I feel like, I felt like, this was fun, been... and I just feel like I've been used. Okay, yes! I've been fucking used. Oh my used. god! Um, and I do was think... unhappy. Yeah, but do you think the other guy had had experiences already? Yeah, actually. So, so, he was, so... He was... dude. Yeah, so, go ahead. I'm the type of dude. I'm the type of dude. I'm the type of person. Like, if something if something doesn't go right or something's just strange to me. I've got to research it to understand what happened, okay? So, like, I started doing some sleuthing after that situation. I found this guy's a goddamn whore. Fucking man whore. Alright? He's a harlot. Fucking slut. Alright? Fuck <laughs> everything in, like, the Tri-City area. Alright? And this um, is at, like, a church conference. This is a fucking church conference. So he's But, he's but, 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 we're, but, but we're not my hometown. Kids. We're not my hometown. Like, in my hometown, he fucked the Tri-City area. This church conference mm. is just me. But still, he's a fucking hoe. Alright? And his friends are hoes. They're all hoes together. And I fucked a hoe. Alright? <laughs> so I felt but less I, good to about To be honest, it. though, he's got experience. That actually might make it better for a first time. He rolled over and ate a fucking Little Debbie snack cake. Like, I have to admit, though, Little Debbie snack cakes are good. So if I had one, I actually might want to eat it after I did it. <laughs> 
I'm not saying it was like, the right thing to do. <laughs> the wrong I'm saying if I had a snap cake, I might be like, I just had sex and this snap cake would be nice. Whatever. I think I understand where the guy was mentally. That's all. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. You don't, you don't have to like support him. All right. I'm not. I'm not. I think you should. I believe he did the wrong thing. He did the wrong I thing. Just, putting my my mind into his mindset, I kind of know where he was mentally. That's all I'm saying. Just to finish off, we might not use this part at all. Do you have any questions you would like to throw back? Because you've been very honest and very generous, so um... I, I'm an open book. I have to answer honestly. But you can tell by my stories, my my history is pretty... Uh, pretty cool, pretty cool. I mean, like, I, 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 mean, I recall I hearing your... your uh, yeah, you fucked furniture. I've never fucked furniture. I, I got what, nowhere to what, go what, after what, that. What, what, the, what is the weirdest non-human thing you've um, jacked it or tried to jack it to? Uh, you're getting into anime territory, because I got into anime early on. Oh, did and... you? With well, my experience with Gem and the Holograms, because <laughs> Japanese anime gets sexual, right? So yes, clearly I was already open to the, to the idea of 2D relationships. Anime has some hot stuff in it sometimes. Like, it always has in, like, the gratuitous bathroom scenes and beach stuff. Oh, yeah, the and fan it's just designed service. To get, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, but it's just service. designed to get, like, 14-year-old boys to get, like, worked up. Peter, and Peter. it works. Peter, 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 you're being generous. Okay, so yeah, so like I feel that that the the, the the fan service like that that hit like that hits the fourteen year old boy demographic, yeah. But that's just like like this like a this is like a side effect, it's like a ripple effect. The fan yeah. service is directed towards like thirty five year old men who are living in their parents' home. In Japan, yeah. Okay. Well, so it's actually Without probably working. made by thirty-five-year-old men who are living in their parents' homes as well. Yeah, because they don't get paid that well. They're probably still living at home and stuff. Right. And they have a frustrating life. Um, tragic. Life. That's still. I don't think that still counts because they were like human-shaped and designed to evoke that emotion. So they were just successful. Okay. All right. So non-human-shaped then. It's not. Yeah, I don't really have any. I do have the story of. When I hurt my balls, I actually did a podcast on it, and I was basically non-sexual for about a month. Oh, the judo incident! Yeah, 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 yeah. And the thing, when all my testosterone or whatever it is came back, it came back all at once, and I was really horny all day. Dude, but that it was, sounds I remember, scary. I remember a tree being sort of shapely and being like, uh, "Yeah, that's a nice tree." I didn't jack it though. Dude, I went. I had a girlfriend, sounds... so I went and had sex with my girlfriend, and she was relieved I was a man again. Dude, that Not sounds scary as fuck. Like I, I cannot, I could not imagine, like having like all all like because of the injury, having all the testosterone like shut off for like a yeah. month. Like, but it was like, like a. I didn't realize it was a buildup. It was it was not like it came back gradually. Like it started seeping back into my system. It was like a, a tide pod. Of testosterone, no, well, had been inserted in my body. Well, no, but you, you know what? Like, like I imagine, I imagine it's just like, um, like so, like I fucking love pizza, okay? So, like, yes. like imagine you don't eat pizza for like two months, like I actually just did. I had a pizza this this past Sunday. It was a heavenly experience. Um, yep. But and it like, probably wasn't like, even good a pizza. Like, it was you, shit you pizza. Just, like, it was shit pizza. <laughs> But I hadn't had pizza in like two months, so I'm, I'm just like, yes. oh my god, this thing that I remember, it's back. It's not going to be back for a while. Like, it's back. 
and it's just so fucking good. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking your body's just like, we haven't had like testosterone in a minute. Oh shit! Oh shit! Yeah. It's back, and that's what fucking happened. Like it's just like I, I am no longer in contact with my girlfriend because she was my girlfriend in university, which is too bad. Because I would love Goodbye. her take on this story from the other side, like having this boyfriend who's because we were young, so I was of course pretty high uh, sex drive. Yeah, and then it just disappeared completely, and then came back with a vengeance. I would like to hear her version of that story because she probably has some funny Vengeful. side takes that I didn't even think of, like Vengeful Dick Experience. Oh man, seriously, that was it was it was crazy because I remember walking across campus being like, "Oh yeah, I'm back." <laughs> oh man, I'm ready I'm for back. that. Let's. I'm going to be skipping classes for the next couple of days. Mm, I don't need got, to go to we class. Got, we got other things to learn right now. <laughs> nice. You've been really all open. I appreciate it. I, I, see, this is the part. I should get the computer voice to do it. Thanks, Tommy. Get Thank the computer you, voice Tommy. to go, thanks, Tommy, for Thank you know, you, joining Tommy, us today. for your openness. <laughs> <laughs> We've enjoyed you today on Velocity Peter. <laughs> I do like the way she says Velocity Peter. <laughs> Since we started with an idea, I decided to finish with an extra little idea. And part of the underlying philosophy of this podcast is to resist the monology of the world, trying to fight back against stupidity. Because if you explore ideas and no ideas, even if you explore dumb ideas, you are thinking, and that thought has value. That's something I actually believe. And it's one of the reasons I actually talk about this dumb shit so often, is because I believe that even if you're talking about dumb shit, you're exploring ideas and expanding your mind and maybe even pushing some limits. And the more creative thinking you get, the more beneficial that'll be when you actually have to come down to actual serious thinking, because maybe you can approach it from a different point of view. A very small form of rebellion that you can commit almost every single day if you work at a computer and send email. I send a lot of email. And what I do is at the end, when I put thanks, Peter, instead of putting thanks, comma, Peter, I just put thanks and then I hit enter so it's a new line and put Peter. But without that comma, what I'm actually saying is thanks, Peter. And that way, you're not thanking the person, you're thanking yourself. And I think maybe you should thank yourself a little more often. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to VelociPeter.com slash podcast. I got into like a little radio guy voice for a second. I should do that.